Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Sconcy Business, and today we're here with Joe Bender, who is a developer evangelist on the growth team at Blockstack. Blockstack is a very, very interesting, unique uh, crypto project that I've been following for some time. They have a lot of different things built on it, and I think a lot of them I haven't seen anywhere else. So I was really, really interested to uh, to do this because. Yeah, you guys have a very different approach with like the types of applications that I see on Blockstack. And um, yeah, and I just don't see anyone else doing that. So I thought that was really interesting and I want to dive into that. But first, uh, thank you for being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd like to think we're doing some some cool stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into that, can you just uh, share a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Joe Bender, like you said, developer evangelist at Blockstack, um, coming up on a year with them. And uh, I mean, everyone's got an interesting crypto story and how they got into the space. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to school for information science, went back and got my master's and then was sitting in my mom's house sending resumes to applicant tracking systems sitting at Facebook and Amazon and Google, you know, fresh fresh off my master's tech degree trying to get into a fang company. When that failed miserably, um, that was right about the time my buddy was showing me crypto, introduced me to Ethereum first, actually. And uh, everyone's had those late nights of digging through Reddit posts and white papers and, and blog posts and just kind of going down the rabbit hole one step at a time. And uh, totally enamored with the technology, scooping up random coins and just, just learning about it as much as I could. And uh, next thing you know, I was working at Consensus. I, I got in touch with Joe Lubin uh, in June of 2017, threw all my stuff in a car and drove to New York. Um, awesome. Yeah, I worked at Consensus for three years uh, during some of the craziest times in crypto, you know, the 2017 roller coaster. And was really exciting to see uh, dApps kind of evolve on Ethereum and then DeFi and then NFTs. We've had so many different uh, ebbs and flows of trends in, in the crypto space. Um, had a lot of fun there. Learned 10 years worth in three years. Uh, just a crash course gauntlet in, in crypto and business too. You know, I went to school for computer science and... Uh, I don't think you can be in a crypto company without wearing a lot of hats, you know, doing internal ops, putting out fires, doing external engagements, um, helping to build the tech and helping to market it too. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was interesting kind of getting some biz dev um, experience there. And then I moved on from consensus and joined Blockstack. Um, which was such an intriguing transition personally for myself to go from a pretty diehard Ethereum community into a more Bitcoin-centric world, um, a more VC-type uh, startup. We, we have a lot of ties with USV and, and uh, a lot of the investment community in New York. Munib is really plugged into that, went to Princeton, has all of those uh, institutional connections and uh, is really plugged into the research world, education world. Um, and yeah, the last seven months has, has been, uh, a crazy time. I feel like I joined Blockstack at such a tactful right as our test net was getting spun up for Stacks 2.0, right as we were unveiling a, a smart contract programming language, um, and right as COVID was happening, you know, and I got hired as yeah, a developer evangelist. So, uh, I think they expected me to be. Uh, going all over the globe and and telling people about Blockstack technology, and now I'm going all over the internet and and teaching people about Blockstack technology. Um, but uh, has been a lot of fun seeing people stay light on their feet this year. A bunch of cool, uh, almost like experiential events of of sorts. Been doing everything from uh, of fake Olympic races and crypto voxels to a bunch of random podcasts and webinars and uh, given um, given seminars at like college courses, which is always uh, funny seeing these like 18 year olds be crazy passionate about crypto. Um, yeah, so now we're here. Uh, we're a couple days away from Stacks 2.0 mainnet code completion launching in January. I feel like uh, I'm about to like end the first chapter of my time at Blockstack and start the second um, with our 
with our uh, long conceived of blockchain uh, finally finally going live. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth in the sense that um, we both went to like a computer science related uh, field and then kind of, you know, went a little further from that. But I feel like, do you think that that has like um, a profound impact on your understanding of blockchain? Like you're already kind of prepped for that. And like for me, a lot of my friends in uh, in school were all kind of sort of aware of blockchain. No one was like really deep in it. But uh, I, I would say compared to other circles, we were much more like aware of that. And that was something that, um, you know, people were just talking about, starting to murmur about. And uh, and then, you know, obviously with computer science background, it's, you have a much better understanding when you actually got into it, into it. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, uh, having a technical background in blockchain is useful because it's a technical field. It has to do with computers and numbers and bits. And uh, But like I said, you wear a lot of hats in blockchain. And I think the philosophical aspect of blockchain is, is just as important as the technology. You know, I've worked with some of the smartest developers in the blockchain space before who don't really get the technology they're just sitting behind their keyboard doing their job but um aren't really grasping the like uh massive shift that that it enables and then you mm -hmm. have other people that are super passionate about the technology really understand the benefits of decentralization but have never opened a text editor you know and i think yeah. both those people understand it equally but just in, in different ways um Definitely helps you understand some of like the core protocol level stuff. Helps you trudge through white papers and and understand some of the like core cryptographic mechanisms, elliptical curve cryptography, and key pairs, and uh, different types and levels of encryption. Um, but I think all of that jargon and in buzzwords can be boiled down to to the philosophical things of just like it's a technology that allows us to shift away from centralization. You can explain to any person, you know how when you're scrolling through your Instagram ad and you get an Instagram feed and you get an advertisement of something you were talking about five minutes ago, like blockchain's trying to solve that by like eliminating the massive access and purview that companies have into your internet usage, your financial usage, your health records, just all of your, all of your data. Um, which is, I feel like 10 years ago, like people weren't grasping how widespread the like data harvesting and the, the compromising of their privacy was but now everyone's like slowly getting on the same page you know social dilemmas mm -hmm. front page and netflix yeah, and yeah. zuck and jack are getting their feet held to the fire in congress like people are aware of um the forces that be uh so i'm happy to see that like education has come a long way and i don't think you need to be technical to, to grasp that yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so um, getting into Blockstack, can you just give a brief introduction to uh, people who are watching who have never heard of it before? Absolutely. Um, yeah, where do we start? Blockstack. Um, I think the name came from a, a tech stack of, of blockchain architecture. You know, um, a lot of projects do one thing. You got a chain link working on oracles or uh or Ripple working on interbank payments or, or something like that. I feel like those can be effective ways to try to like find a single use case that somebody needs. But we just talked about how like epic blockchain is and how much potential it really opens up. And sometimes you need an entire tech stack to handle that. You need the, the self-sovereign identity and authentication login. You need the decentralized storage to allow you to like keep data on your own in private. Um, you need private transactions so you don't have people snooping in. Uh, so that's kind of what Blockstack works on. We are uh, a... We are a PBC, a public benefit corporation that it makes open source software that enables what we like to call the user controlled internet. The internet's really cool. It enabled a lot of good stuff. It kind of started out on the right path, a decentralized network of like nodes. I always reference like the dot torrent protocol and LimeWire and mm. Napster back in the days. Like those were decentralized protocols years and years before blockchain. But then those fang companies stepped in and kind of uh, 
just condense the internet around these these big silos of information. Um, what we want to do is return the internet back to the people, uh, and and that's done through a couple different methods. The first way, infrastructure. If the infrastructure is controlled by centralized corporations, you're you're already tripping off the starting block. Um, so that's why blockchain comes in. You know, I feel like a lot of projects just um, close their eyes and pick a blockchain out of a hat, and then we're like, "What do we use it for?" Um, we kind of saw the problem, the the fracture in the internet, the way the internet's kind of broken right now, and people are taken advantage of, and said, "Okay, we're going to use blockchain to try to alleviate some of this mess." Um, and so. To go fast forward to uh, the Stacks 2.0 launch that's going on right now. For a long time, we had the Stacks 1.0 blockchain, and it was mm, primarily used for authentication and, and login using the, the Blockstack naming system and your Blockstack ID. You could log into decentralized applications using your Blockstack ID, a premium on data portability, where you can take your data with you and lease it out to various platforms or products as you deem fit. And... Um, I always uh, liken it to like going into a bar. When you like hand your ID to a bouncer, that bouncer only needs to know your age, but your address, your eye color, your your sex, all a photo of yourself, like all this information that they really don't need. Um, mm -hmm. So, stacks. <laughs> Stacks 1.0 was focused on authentication. Uh, we're moving towards Stacks 2.0 right now, which I think is more of a testament to that tech stack of blockchain technology, the block stack, um, more than anything because it is that fully-fledged blockchain protocol with a bunch of nummy cryptographic features and, and functionality in there. Um, it's kind of the block, Muneeb always says, it's the blockchain that we wish existed when, when block stack was first uh, um, kind of uh, coming to fruition because... Mm -hmm. In blockchain years, Blockstack is uh, an old geezer, you know. So many uh, projects are a flash in the pan lately. We'll launch a white paper, launch their platform, someone finds a bug, and then it's gone, and people lost money. Uh, Blockstack's yeah. been around for like six, seven years now. You know, Muneeb was back in like 2014 at Princeton, um, ideating on some of this original uh, stuff. So, had Stacks 1.0 for the longest time, finally getting into Stacks 2.0, and um, it brings with it three just massive uh, developments and innovations that we think are just going to knock the socks off the blockchain industry. Um, the first one is our novel consensus mechanism. Just when you thought consensus mechanisms couldn't get any more crazy, we're coming in with like one of the most nuanced, like innovative, has not been tried before. Um, you have proof of work where you're expending electricity, using those big GPUs, using those ASICs, got the, uh, the server warehouses in Siberia mining Bitcoin or whatever. Um, and that works. It was a solution to a problem that Satoshi saw. I'm, I'm going to have computers um, compete to solve a little cryptographic puzzle, and the one that does it first leads the block. Expends a ridiculous amount of electricity. You know, every month is a new blog article like now the Bitcoin electricity consumption is equal to the GDP of this country, like this small yeah. country. Um, you have Ethereum moving towards proof of stake now, which alleviates some of that electricity and computational load because now you're staking or locking up tokens. You're locking up a certain amount of your Ether um, to uphold the network, add value to the network. It secures it, um, allows you to be a validator to validate transactions, yada, yada, yada. Better than proof of work, but comes with it some unintended externalities. Like we don't know what a fully fledged proof of stake system will look like in the wild until we see it. Mm -hmm. um, so what Blockstack is bringing to the table is proof of transfer. It's not proof of work, we're not burning electricity, it's not proof of stake, you're not staking any tokens. All you are doing to uphold the security of the network, the miners are transferring a certain amount of Bitcoin and that's how you compete to lead a block. You can transfer more Bitcoin and you have a higher probability of, of mining the block. Simple um, arithmetic of your contribution divided by total contributions. Um, and so they are sending Bitcoin to a certain address and um, a verifiable random function chooses the person that leads the block. The second novel 
super cool thing about Stacks 2.0 is stacking. Totally novel value creation mechanism where, and it's kind of like proof of stake in a sense, where there's a Stacks token on the Stacks 2.0 blockchain, STX. The miners compete to mine a block by transferring Bitcoin to a certain address. And where does that Bitcoin go? It goes to the stackers, we call them. People with excess stacks, you're not doing anything with it. Let's put it to work. They lock it up, just like a proof-of-stake system, just like how people lock up their Ether on uh, Ethereum 2.0. And then, because they're locking up Ether, reducing the total supply of the token, increasing value locked in the network, increasing security in the network, they are compensated with that Bitcoin from the miners. Um, the miners are receiving a stacks block reward. And then right there, you're starting to see just like the beautiful game of double dutch that is being played in uh, Stacks 2.0 of miners transferring Bitcoin to compete a block, stackers locking their stacks up to uphold the network. And then that value just cycles between all of them from Bitcoin to stacks. And uh, you could even be stacking and mining at the same time, you know, take some of your Bitcoin rewards from stacking, funnel it into mining. Um, and in that sense, I think the core consensus mechanism of Stacks 2.0 is like a kind of DeFi in and of itself. You know, it, it's using two uh, cryptocurrencies in an interesting way to uh, make something of value, whether it be security or, or new tokens. Um, yeah, whew, so that's what we got in Stacks 2.0. Uh, really cool consensus mechanism. I'm excited to see it in action. Uh, we've been in testnet for the last almost nine months now, and one of the phases of Testnet did, in fact, uh, implement that proof of transfer and stacking functionality. We've seen the community really sink its teeth into it. We've got stacking calculators. We're starting to get stacking mobile wallets. Um, yeah, and uh, being in Testnet, you know, we reset the chain every once in a while. We're kicking the tires constantly, doing GitHub issues, squashing bugs. I'm really excited for Mainnet to launch. Things will be able to be etched in stone. You know, that's when we really started to see beautiful interoperability and standardization on Ethereum. When mm -hmm. someone would up uh, would would upload the quintessential uh, smart contract of a certain category to the blockchain and say, "Yo, this is a standard now. Like everybody, pile in here." That's how ERC twenty got started. Uh, that's how standard bounties got started. Uh, some of these contracts that are reusable, the Uniswap contract, um, the Augur contract getting used on different prediction markets. I love it when new front ends spring up for a smart contract. Um, so that's what we'll be able to see on Stacks 2.0 once, once uh, I, I say smart contracts can be etched in stone into the transaction history, into the ledger for all time. Um, so I think we'll, we'll start to see some like standardization and... Um, and fully fledged, robust platforms that are are using evergreen smart contracts. Awesome, awesome. Definitely uh, a lot to, uh, yeah, to break down there. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I so for for users who are much less, I, I guess, technically savvy, uh, what is the benefit for them for using uh, like Blockstack or or what eventually will be called Hero? I believe you said. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. We're currently in uh, a brand transformation right now. Um, our ecosystem is really getting decentralized. A bunch of stuff has happened in the last few months. Um, we're transitioning our brand to the hero name, um, uh, borrowed from Muneev's favorite book, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Um, kind of a futurist cyberpunk world. Um, we also formed the Stacks Foundation, uh, an independent um, not-for-profit entity to inspire uh, development in the community, give out grants for certain proposals. Um, we've made a lot of like uh, grant prompts lately, and, and people are flocking around them saying, of course I'll build a, a stacking calculator. Um, and uh, uh, Patrick Stanley, the old head of growth at Blockstack, formed his own t entity called Freehold, which is another thing from Snow Crash. Um, uh, I shouldn't say this in a public thing, but I haven't read Snow Crash, so I, I don't know what it is, but I hear it's like a, a bastion of security and, and it's the Freehold, so I, I'm down for all the cyberpunk references. Um, so, yes, we have transformed to Hero a little bit, and I think... <laughs> What is alluring about our ecosystem? It's 
It is a new secure protocol that is anchored into the most long-standing secure household name blockchain protocol of all time. I come from Ethereum world. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Ethereum. I saw so much beautiful experimentation happening over the last few years, but you cannot deny that the Solidity smart contract language that that they build a lot of their stuff with is is hard to use and a little flawed and has a lot of attack vectors in it. Time and time again, we have seen some of the coolest projects on Ethereum get absolutely uh, destroyed by a bug or a vulnerability, dating all the way back to the original DAO, you know? Um, mm. There's a lot of re-entrancy bugs. Uh, I think the nature of gas on Ethereum and the, and the block gas limit adds a lot of frustration for developers and users alike. You know, you just asked a question about like, what would like normal mainstream people come come to Blockstack for? Um, not MetaMask, that's for sure. Just like the the bytecode in MetaMask transactions, normal people don't know what they're clicking on there. And worst case scenario is you think you're clicking except to like give them access to all the crypto in my wallet. Like, I'm sure that's what a lot of people assume. Um, so... Uh, the smart contract programming language on Stacks 2.0, oh, I'm, I'm getting technical, you asked me to answer not, not technical, is, is non-Turing complete. Um, basically, that means is it's a little less expressive, but much more secure. Um, so when using the Stacks 2.0 blockchain, you don't have to worry about gas or block limits or um, uh, calibrating the amount of gas in your transaction. Um, and I think that uh, relieves a lot of stress for the normal user. You know, we were talking before this podcast um, as we were just catching up. Um, sometimes I am hesitant and tentative to use a certain uh, app or something because the gas fees are so high. You know, I was so excited to get my Uniswap airdrop and then I went to see, oh, maybe I should sell one or two. It's like, I'd have to be $40 to make this trade. Like, it's, it's not even yeah. worth it. Um, yeah. So what we think at Blockstack is a lot of Bitcoiners have probably been sitting on the sidelines, seeing people have a bunch of fun with with crypto kitties and all these meme coins and vegetable coins and and uh, and honestly, the cool ass DeFi stuff, you know, CDPs and liquidity providers and uh, and all of these crazy experiments that have happened lately. Um, and Bitcoiners are sitting on the sideline, not having any fun. Um, we think that using Bitcoin in our core consensus mechanism is pretty unprecedented because yes, it is an independent blockchain. It's an independent protocol. Stacks 2.0 is a different chain. It's not a, a sub chain, but the fact that it is anchored into Bitcoin in the core consensus protocol means it cannot run without Bitcoin being secure, which newsflash, Bitcoin is secure. Um, I love Ethereum, but Bitcoin is not going anywhere. It is king of the hill. It's a household name. Digital gold. Only go up. It's it's on Silicon Valley on HBO. It's on uh, graffiti QR codes and subways all over the world. Um, uh, buy Bitcoin sign behind Janet Yellen in Congress. All, all this stuff. Like uh, your grandma knows about Bitcoin, and um, you cannot discount the social human network effects of of that um i think if there's one thing we've learned in blockchain the last few years it's the best technology doesn't win um you there is a, a human aspect to everything um you know people reference uh vitalik telling us to roll back the chain after the dow hack like newsflash that was a very human social aspect of blockchain you know that that was uh there's always People preach immutability and and it's tech. It's tech. Tech was built by humans, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that um, I think that Stacks 2.0 gives interesting people who want to use their crypto and experiment with with new innovative crypto stuff, but don't necessarily want to forsake the original Bitcoin blockchain and and the market uh, dominance that 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 has established over the last decade. Yeah, yeah. So um, for people who are like, okay, so like, what exactly am I going to be using Blockstack for? Can you give them some examples of different like applications, different use cases 
um just for the people who like maybe a lot of that went over their head and they're like okay so yeah. like what can i what can i actually do with this uh can you just break down some of the different use cases and and things that people might actually be using um who, who maybe don't really know anything about blockchain yeah absolutely um so i mentioned that Blockstack id earlier and authentication and self-sovereign identity is a huge aspect of blockchain um right now as acting as a digital citizen on the internet, you really have no rights. I mean, everyone knows sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook. And it's just leaving a trail of breadcrumbs around the internet for advertisers to gobble up and follow you around. Um, Blockstack ID gives data portability, like that ID to the bouncer I was talking about before. So if you go to um, a gambling website or, or some uh, casino-esque crypto website, all they need to know is, is like your age and, uh, and have access to the crypto in your wallet. You know, they don't need all of this other KYC uh, type of information. Um, so that allows you, as you're going around, to only lease out specific information to the website or the platform that they require. Whereas uh, in traditional internet, when you are clicking sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook, or even logging in with your email address and password, I mean, that comes with a, a lot of unintended consequences. If you're recycling your password a lot, that same password is in a bunch of centralized databases. All it takes is one uh, breach for a hacker to connect those dots and start um, stealing your identity. Um, and uh, email and password is bad but like i said signing with google and facebook then that gives them access to like your entire facebook history and and all of your preferences and hobbies and likes and all your friends social group your social circles your connections um and you know people it's so sad hearing people that don't really value like privacy in the modern age talk about this this type of of travesty because they're like i have nothing to hide like i don't care what 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 people see to the even worse response i've heard like i don't know i want my advertisements to be customized <laughs> like i love yeah. it when the ads are targeted right for me like that's an argument you know some people some people like that um but what they don't realize is it's you don't have something to hide until you do you know until uh until your health insurance is more expensive because of pre-existing conditions or because you can't get a job because you did something dumb when you were 16. i don't know these are bad examples but you get what i'm saying um yeah. there's you have the right to data privacy and and to, to be uh, secure about the things about yourself that you want to be secure with. Um, so that uh, that data portability and self-sovereign identity is one huge thing. And I think the other is decentralized applications. Uh, I mentioned that um, there is a smart contract programming language on Stacks 2.0. Getting a little bit technical here, but basically what that enables is the decentralized alternatives to so many centralized services that we use every day. Twitter and Reddit, um, we were talking about decentralized alternatives uh, to those before the, this podcast, you know, Steemit and Peepith and, and uh, Mines and all of these uh, decentralized alternatives where when you're using Twitter, you may feel like a thought leader, you may feel like an influencer, and you're putting out a bunch of great tweets, a bunch of great content, but uh, Twitter owns all of that. You know, we've seen so many crypto newsletters get shut down on Substack or mm -hmm. crypto projects bank accounts be closed. Um, those companies own your data, own your interaction with that platform. It's it's so sad to see some people get kicked off Twitter or something and they have five years of drafts in their phone with like some great like brainstorming and it's gone. You can't get you, you can't get access to that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, decentralized websites and platforms run on the blockchain. Um, a lot of the times the data is stored on the blockchain, so it's not stored in those in those siloed centralized warehouses that are controlled by these companies. And you kind of own 
your data there. There's a lot of websites that allow, I mentioned data portability before with like your identity, but there's data portability with your content too. Um, you can take, there, there's decentralized like mediums where uh, your blog posts are like stored on the blockchain. And if you wanted to migrate that to a different platform, you would have the right to, and, and medium can't steal all your drafts or something. Um, we talked about Steemit, which was a Reddit uh, decentralized alternative where you upvote with small amounts of cryptocurrency. Really interesting to see uh, the quality of some of these platforms rise when there's a, a barrier of entry of money. You know, um, people literally have to pay to, for lack of a better term, excuse my French, shit post on these platforms. Um, yeah, so that's what. Stacks 2.0 enables, not only do you have the, the self-sovereign identity that you're interacting with these platforms with, but the platforms themselves are decentralized. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of cool stuff get built, even uh, even in testnet, you know, we had uh, a cool NFT marketplace where you're trading monsters like Tamagotchis and you have to log in and feed them with a transaction once a day. Um, some cool composability where you have an avatar who's a wizard and you're adding an NFT that's a hat and then an NFT that's a staff and then that person is fighting another character. Um, we've seen a, a clone of uh, Uniswap um, on Ethereum be built on Stacks 2.0. Um, yeah, so those are the types of platforms um, that can be built on blockchain networks from anything from games, CryptoKitties or Crypto Space Commanders uh, to financial services, to, yeah, anything. I've seen efforts to put uh, health records on the blockchain, supply chain provenance on the blockchain, music. We were talking about Audius um, cuts out those big record labels that are taking 20% or something of, of an artist's profit. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about just taking out that intermediary, taking out that rent seeker that's that's just kind of sitting in the middle and and uh, taking out a chunk because they can, literally just because they can. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember when I first got started with Blockstack, um, what really drew me in was, I believe it was like all the google tool alternatives so like like a word alternative yeah. like storage alternative so can you speak a little to some of these like more um i guess mainstream alternative dApps that you know people might be using now but they'll have an alternative that they could be using on Blockstack as well can you speak a little bit to some of the ones that people might be more familiar with uh, in terms of an alternative and um, and that it's actually available here for them to use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the coolest projects on, on in the Blockstack ecosystem right now is like one of our power community members um, started a project called Pravica, which is like a video chat and uh, not only video, but text and um, multimedia and totally decentralized. If there's one thing the entire world realized this year, it's how much Zoom sucks. <laughs> and um, if I had a nickel for every time I got Zoom bombed doing webinars this year of like random hackers joining and starting to scream profanities as I'm trying to teach people about blockchain, I'd have a lot of nickels. Um, Pravica is a cool like Zoom clone, makes it decentralized, totally uh, secure private chat between people. Uh, we have Block Survey, which is a great Google Forms alternative. Um, I, I hate seeing everything just get under the Google flag lately. Um, yeah. Speaking of under the Google flag, we have Zor Drive, which is a great Google Drive uh, alternative. And you know, you may sit back and be like, "Oh, these are gonna be clunky. They're they're just not Google. They're they're just not." I challenge you to try it out. Anyone saying that uh, some of these have even more beautiful UIs than than these massive development studios at Google, just because they're more connected with the customers and with the people that are using them. They're not sitting in their glass towers being like, yes, the users would love this. Um, they're out there schlepping around with the community, gathering requirements and uh, figuring out how to union traditional products and blockchain in a healthy way that users will actually want to use. Um, we have Sigil, which is a medium alternative. Um, I mentioned how, how medium can pick, kick people off platform pretty easily. Also medium, if I, I, I so many times at my last job, someone would 
write a blog post and then send it to me and be like, what do you think? And it would be behind a paywall. They didn't even realize mm, that some yeah, setting yeah. was buried in their thing of like paywall your stuff. Just companies messing with you, trying to make profit, trying to just uh, trying to put themselves between you and your work. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of a bunch of cool uh, decentralized alternatives, and I'm, I'm slowly beginning to incorporate them into my life. Um, and uh, it could feel refreshing, you know, being liberated from from some of these platforms. You'll slowly see your your newsletter spam start start to go down, and uh, and the coupons for similar products in your in your promotion gmail folder go down stuff like that because uh these companies are looking to take advantage of you much much less and looking to just build a useful product more because they're not slaves to millions and millions of dollars of advertising uh pressure from lobbyists and industries and all of the illuminati powers that be you know yeah yeah absolutely and and i guess the unfortunate part is a lot of people don't realize it's too late until it's too late. Um, like for me, for example, I think it was maybe six years ago or so, maybe five years ago, but um, I can't remember what it was, but for some reason, Google had some issue and they just like suspended my access to my storage for like 24 hours. And I had everything in the form of Google Docs, so I wasn't able to access it offline or read it and um i was going to school at the time so you know like i had all these papers i was writing and all this different stuff that was like important to my work and um and i was very very concerned and i mean this was early stages for me getting into the blockchain world um and and yeah it was very very eye-opening to realize how much control uh, Google had over a lot of my life with just you know the snap of a finger and they could just turn it all off um, and then from there, I've really expanded my search into looking for different alternatives that don't have that crazy amount of control over uh, over what I can access and what I can do. And um, and the reason that these things are so important is because you don't want to wait until that happens to you. You want to be ahead of that. And um, and also, obviously, like you said, all the things with privacy as well. Um, so, yeah, there's so many benefits to these things. Um so what exactly would you say that Blockstack sets out to solve in, uh, in, in the crypto space or, or in general, if you had to kind of like summarize it down? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think that I think we want to solve the problem of having Web3 be anchored to Bitcoin. Um, we see a lot of tribalism in the space right now. Um, and it's disheartening because that, uh, that disincentivizes interoperability and collaboration and everyone and everything. You see people racing to be the first people to unveil some new innovation or I remember on Ethereum everyone was racing to get the first implementation of like state channels or, or plasma network or, or stuff like that. Um, so I think we we see Bitcoin as extremely useful and think it's a no-brainer that there should be a web3 decentralized application ecosystem around that level of security um although yes we do i mean there's no denying we're a smart contract platform we are competing with ethereum we it's a multi-chain world you know uh no one knows what a hundred years in the future is going to look like but i guarantee you there's not going to be one single blockchain as the global settlement layer um there are is so much awesome innovation happening in the space right now way too many smart people in the space right now for us to be uh, putting our blinders on to a specific protocol or a specific school of thought. Um, so we really think that it would be a healthy thing for the blockchain industry and a, a positive impact on, on the entire space as a whole if there was a vibrant, thriving, expressive ecosystem built around Bitcoin, around the Bitcoin cur cryptocurrency, around that uh, 
that community, you know, um, the last year I've spent a lot learning about the Bitcoin community and, and its dynamics and its history. And it's very different from, from Ethereum and, and the other protocol world. You know, it's it's really technical and and they've been doing this for a long time and uh, and have really strong philosophical beliefs. Um, so we think it's it's that type of passion and intensity is wasted with Bitcoin just being a, a store of value, a, a digital gold. Um, we really thought it was a, a novel um, and kind of uh, a leveling up of Bitcoin and using it in our consensus mechanism and and kind of forcing it to to do more interesting things than it, than it has ever done before. Um, People praise Lightning Network on Bitcoin as uh, they point to it as innovation on Bitcoin. Lightning Network's cool. It's a great technology. It is an improvement on the transaction throughput of Bitcoin, but it, it's floundering compared to the amount of value locked in in DeFi on Ethereum or or some other layer two solutions. Um, so we really think that uh, there's more space for experimentation in Bitcoin than just Lightning Network. You know, we're providing an, a, a secondary independent protocol that's using the Bitcoin token in interesting ways, rewarding it. That's that's what we think is a is a mic drop here. Um, is rewarding Bitcoin for stacking for locking up your stacks, the ability to interact with a totally new blockchain, but be receiving Bitcoin rewards, uh, a core based cryptocurrency that is as it's it's the standard of crypto right now. You know, I, I look at everything else as the experiment group and Bitcoin's the control group. Um, mm. Being able to tinker in a new protocol while still having the safety of receiving a tried and true crypto, that's next level. You know, people have all their eggs in, in like the Ethereum DAP basket right now. Um, you know, you, you got to diversify your bonds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, what are some updates, like some next big things that are in the works that people should be uh, expecting looking for for Blockstack? Um, as I've mentioned a thousand times, Stacks 2.0 mainnet launch coming up. Um, we are targeting code completion on December 15th in just 11 days here. Uh, that is when all of the consensus critical code for Stacks 2.0 will be complete. Um, and our engineering team is really excited about getting there on December 15th. And then the official launch will be on January 14th. So we'll have a whole month to, to really stress test the thing, um, make sure all the functionality is uh, up to snuff before we, we open the doors to the public, you know. Um, and uh, the launch, we're preparing uh, just block stack celebration of epic proportions um we're gonna have a bunch of mainnet showcase uh projects so whereas testnet there might have been a lot of proof of concepts or just kind of singular smart contracts without a front end um the mainnet showcase we've been working uh really closely with a lot of our projects in almost like an incubator uh type fashion of slapping together some beautiful front ends, getting some documentation together. And uh, when the the doors open to the Stacks 2.0 amusement park, there will be some rides to ride and some delicious food stalls to eat at. I don't know. I'm taking this metaphor too far, but you get what I'm yeah. saying. Um, yeah, it's no. going to be a day full of uh, some cool talks. We're going to get some speakers in there. We're going to have these mainnet showcase projects show off what they've been working on. And yeah, it's just going to catalyze the the new era of of Blockstack and Hero. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um other awesome. than that, all the crazy stuff that comes with the mainnet launch. We're doing so many partnerships. We we partnered with Algorand to work on Clarity, with Chainlink to be the official Oracle provider of Stacks 2.0. Um uh yeah, a bunch of a bunch of different collaborations like that. Should have some of the partners at the launch day event. And I mean, we're we're constantly firing on all cylinders. Uh, for any hackers out there, we got hackathons going on at all times. We got testnet bounties. I just paid out a testnet bounty this morning for that stacking calculator that I talked about. 
you can uh, put the price of Bitcoin, price of stacks, how many stacks you lock up to calculate like how many Bitcoin rewards you receive. Guy got $2,500 for that bounty. There is money to be made right now for uh, knocking out bounties, competing in our hackathons, um, uh, submitting testnet reports, stuff like that, um, tinkering with our tech, becoming an evangelist, all that good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, where do you feel that Blockstack fits in with maybe similar projects or how it is kind of uniquely different from uh, any other projects that might be considered similar within the, the crypto blockchain space? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, or And or would you consider uh, any, like, do you have any competitors so to speak that are kind of doing the same thing or uh like what 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 is your yeah well i mean obviously as i as i've elaborated on in the last hour uh we get compared to ethereum a lot and and people are always asking in all my amas um is ethereum your competitor or something something um i think that uh it comes down to Like I said before, Ether being the native cryptocurrency on Ethereum and kind of only focusing on that, I think um, just the nature of uh, people say don't put your eggs all in one basket. I think the nature of using two cryptos in our uh, in our consensus mechanism um, it differentiates us from that. I think the nature of our smart contract programming language, um, I, I like. Um, I'm trying not to get too technical. Uh, our smart contract programming language is non-Turing complete. You might have heard of Turing completeness, uh, the movie um, with Benedict Cumberbatch, where he's he's Alan Turing building computers and stuff like that. Um, Solidity is Turing complete, which means it operates like a normal computer and runs programmatically through the smart contracts. That means it can go into a looping statement. Um, and then gas was implemented on Ethereum to prevent that looping from forever. There's a computational cost with everything you do on Ethereum, which prevents mm -hmm. the looping. Um, uh, Clarity, our smart contract programming language, is deliberately not Turing complete. Now, people love the word Turing and are like, oh, not Turing complete. That sounds less good. Now... Mm -hmm. In some aspects, yes, it has less functionality. You cannot do that looping. It, like, it does not run programmatically through uh, the contract blindly, just uh, um, executing every command. Um, and that allowed us to remove gas, remove block limits. And honestly, it didn't come with that many shortcomings. Um, and people have found ways to get around the lack of looping using maps and, and uh, certain... Uh, different features and functions and keywords that the Clarity language allows for. Another thing is the default integer declaration in Clarity is 128 bits, where it's 250 bits, 6 bits in uh, Solidity, which is an important number in crypto, 256 bit encryption. Um, but our hackers have already found a way around that by making a 256 bit integer using a tuple of four 128 bit integers, stuff like that. Um, it, there's there's workarounds for the things that you sacrifice by not being Turing complete. Um, I think those are like the two biggest differences between us and Ethereum. I think uh, staking is another thing too. We get compared to Tezos, people staking their Tezzies and uh, Ethereum 2.0's proof of stake, staking their, their Ether to become validators. Um, I think that staking in, uh, I think stacking on Stacks 2.0 is much less committal. Um, I'm diehard Ethereum. I've been so pumped for ETH 2.0. I'm not locking up 32 ETH to validate for one. Yeah. That's a ridiculous amount of ETH. You think I got 32 ETH lying around? Like, who am I, Vitalik? Um, also, uh, the there are you're locking it up for such a long amount of time crypto moves a million miles an hour who knows what what's going to happen in in the next couple months uh especially yeah. with like a uh a um transition of government in, in america and uh and um i think that uh i was losing my train of thought um 
What were we talking about? <laughs> um, the back, original question was uh, was just about where do you feel that Blockstack fits in with other projects? Um, yes, yes, competitor. Or, or competitors. I was talking about proof of stake. Um, yeah, yeah. Locking up your stacks tokens is much less of a commitment. Um, you are locking it up for individual reward cycles. Um, you don't need thirty-two. Uh, ETH like equivalent in stacks. There's there's a lot of pooling uh, that can be done in stacks. Um, delegated stacking. You can you can let someone else stack on your behalf if you if you don't have the uh, minimum required threshold amount, and um, and you're receiving. Bitcoin, a, a different currency. You know, on ETH 2.0, you're locking up ETH-based stuff and receiving ETH-based stuff, um, just kind of keeping you in that same closed-loop ecosystem. Uh, yeah, so I think, like, stacking stacks is an interesting implementation of of locking up tokens and, and, and staking tokens, in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, as you said, like, 32 ETH, I don't think um, it, it's such a high barrier of entry. Like I'm not going to be staking 32 ETH. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a, a huge improvement on that. I think that's going to be a huge deterrent for a lot of people to actually test that out and, and, and get into that side of things. So where do you see Blockstack going in the next like year, in the next five years? What do you, what do you see like the long-term goals and like vision playing out uh, being? Yeah, really good question. Um, I I think I would uh, I'd say what I was really excited about before is is mainnet coming and uh, the ability for things to be live and queryable on the blockchain. Um, Testnet was a lot of experimentation, one-off smart contracts, kind of uh, maybe some test platforms that became obsolete when we updated the testnet to the next phase, stuff like that. Um, it, hackathon projects that became out of date because the Clarity library got updated or, or something like that. Um, we're going to start to see really robust applications come out of the woodwork once the mainnet goes live. I think the next year we'll begin to see uh, an entire like dApp ecosystem um, kind of spring up. Uh, we on Stacks 1.0 we did an app mining pilot for a while, and that's when all of those decentralized alternatives I was talking about earlier, Sigil and Zor Drive and Pravica, kind of uh, came into being. And I think we're gonna see like a second coming of let that now that I mean all those old applications kind of were just using Blockstack ID. Clarity smart contracts didn't even exist yet, so I think we'll see a similar. Uh, um, kind of catalyzing of dApps that happened in 2017 on Ethereum when all of those first dApps started to come out, the the CryptoKitties and the MakerDAO, and um, uh, we'll start to see some of those things pop up on Stacks 2.0. Also, I, I'm expecting to see like the last five years of general blockchain development like happen in one on Stacks 2.0. Uh, we're mm. already starting to see a lot of ideation about NFTs and using NFTs for business models, you know, for subscriptions or access control. And uh, the ERC20 token kind of took over the the entire game. If you go Coin Market Cap Top 100, they're all ERC20 tokens right now. Um, we've already seen an SRC20, a Stacks RC20 uh, token implementation made, and that is an absolutely critical standardization to get for um, for different platforms to be able to uh, be interoperable and be using the same standards and uh, methods and calls. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, hopefully some some bigger, less uh, grassroots investment, you know, um, like I mentioned, Munib is really plugged into the the VC community and and uh, and the almost like the the old school legacy financial world here in New York and hoping to see um, some maybe bigger entities take notice of our technology and um, bring more access to our US based customers, you know, because we we went with the SEC uh, reg uh, a offering and and play things really by the book um we're hoping to allow us people to to interact with the stacks token and and utilize it more uh in the coming month and in months and years um 
Yeah, uh, Munib, like I said, he's just always said, this is the blockchain we always wish existed, and it's going to be like such a breath of fresh air once it's live, and we can really just start getting our hands dirty at hand-holding projects to to go live on the on the protocol. And even in the last nine months, we've seen uh, our community went from uh, a handful of diehard tinkers to an entire ocean of people messing around with clarity and, and competing mm. in our hackathons. And also on our end, too, when I first joined, our documentation was a little skimpy and uh, things were were getting uh, outdated a bunch because we were developing so rapidly, you know. But, I mean, people feel that with Solidity, too. It's always updating. The syntax is always updating. The, the naming conventions, stuff like that. But in the last nine months, oh, my gosh, our docs have come so, so far. It's so much more easily accessible. There's video demos for people to watch, boilerplates for them to download and start tinkering themselves. You can do stuff straight in the browser through like a Git pod. You don't even have to get your entire environment configured with all the dependencies and libraries and everything. Um, it's it's really never been an easier time to uh, dive into the block stack pool, so to speak. So I think that's just going to compound as as the weeks go on, and, and we'll really see like a hockey sticking of innovation and and content creation and and uh, software development because that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is pretty much everything from me. What is your favorite DAP on Blockstack? Favorite DAP on Blockstack? Hmm. It's got to be Block Survey. Uh, I use it every single day. We use it to pool our community on what hackathon they want to use next. Um, and they're really, I think they're actually about to unveil a big new uh, uh, version update too, where they're focusing on engagement with companies and they will have a totally branded survey kit for you that you can use for your community and uh, they, they're white labeling it. So anyone can use it now. Beautiful, clean, flat UI. Um, so much better than, than using Google, I think. Keeps it decentralized. I'm always... Uh, I'm always a little wary of Google, especially when I was at my last company and they uh, and they gave out like a, a anonymous company feedback survey through Google Forms, and I was like, this doesn't feel very anonymous. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say block survey, um, just because surveys are huge on the internet. It, it's kind of a um, such a basic data collection mechanism there's nothing more more basic than you providing certain fields of data and i think that's a critical mechanism to get secure and private and on the blockchain yeah yeah absolutely all right well thank you so much for coming on the show and uh really really getting into the uh the technicals and, yeah and, we did that and now. uh yeah, I mean, it's good because then people can get an idea of like what dApps are on there. And then also for the people who really want to dive into the the technical aspects, they can really flesh that out as well and, and get that understanding. So again, thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. I really appreciate it, Scott. This is a great show. And uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people uh, find you and where can they find Blockstack and where can they follow uh, both on social media? <laughs> Yeah, um, I am at Joseph Bender on Twitter, um, and I would say just go to blockstack.org. That's a great top of the tree to find everything you need for those technical folks that you described. Uh, docs.blockstack.org is all of our docs. Um, I also mentioned that they have never been better. We actually just finished a docs week, a huge community contribution to give the docs a facelift. Um, and then for the more consumer and regular users, there are links there to app.co, app.co, which has all those uh, dApps I was talking about, Zor Drive, Pravika, Block Survey. Um, and yeah, but... Uh, on Twitter, Blockstack on Twitter, I think it's changing to Hero fairly soon. But if I had to recommend one thing, I would say follow at Muneeb on Twitter. I, I knew Muneeb years before I ever worked at, at Blockstack just from his thought leadership on Twitter. Dude is, is playing 40 chess right now. It just like has his finger on the pulse of the tech world and the and the way attention flows work and, and what 
what is needed and and uh, what would be useful. Um, I I'm glued to his Twitter feed. He's he's got a, a knack for um, kind of seeing things from a ten thousand foot view. So if you're trying to uh, hear it straight from the horse's mouth, I would follow Abmunib. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, Stacks 2.0 mainnet launch. Maybe I'll see you there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, everyone, make sure to go and check that out. Uh, follow them on Twitter and uh, let us know in the comments. What do you think about Blockstack? Are you guys using it? What's your favorite dApps? Comment below. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.